Welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show. How are you? Hope you're well. At the 26th of October, 2023. My name is Richie Allen. Do reach out to me during the programme via the app or via the website richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And a little bit later on in the program, I'll be joined by a very interesting lady. Her name is Shannon Rowan. Shannon Rowan. She's an author. She's much more than that, but she's an author. She's written some really interesting books, including Wi-Fi Refugee, Plight of the Modern Day Canary, and shots fired, vaccine weapons, medical tyranny, and the war against humanity. That came out earlier this year. Shannon joins the programme a little bit later on. No doubt you'll have things to say. No doubt you'll have comments, so I've already told you how to do that. Download the app, send a message direct to me here at the studio, or use comment live at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, I'm in fine fettle, fine form. I sound a bit heavy, but don't worry about that. I've got the lurgy, and I've had it pretty much all of this week, but it isn't affecting me in any way, which is a good thing. Not affecting me at all. I have a new podcast. It is called The Papers. It's very basic, plain and simple, Monday to Friday, not live. It should be online by 10.30am UK time. To those of you who are gravely concerned for my well-being with the workload, it isn't adding any work at all uh, to me or for me because I read the papers cover to cover in the AM in any case. So I break away for 15, 20 minutes, quick recording, it's online, and if that's your thing, download it. It'll be online by 10.30 AM, Monday to Friday, that's UK time. So look out for it wherever you get your podcasts. It should appear. If it doesn't appear... Some morning, you can take it as a given that I am very busy with this show and I've not made it. So, But I will make it most mornings. It's something a little bit different, but a little bit the same because I've done it in the past. So the papers is new. It'll be on iTunes, Spotify, Podomatic and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, to more serious matters. As the BBC website reported at 4pm this afternoon, it isn't it doesn't come as any surprise to you or to me after years of debate, the government's controversial online safety bill, which aims, which aims to make the internet safer for children, it has become law. Let me read from the BBC website itself. It, the bill, the law, seeks to force tech firms to take more responsibility for the content on their platforms. Technology Secretary Michelle Donnellan said it, quote, ensures the online safety of British society not only now, but for decades to come, end quote. Critics have raised concerns about the implications for privacy. WhatsApp is among the messaging services to threaten to withdraw from the UK over the act. Again, Royal Assent today, old jug ears, signed it into law, it is law. Back to the BBC. The new law puts the onus on firms to protect children from some legal, but 
harmful material, with the regulator Ofcom being given extra enforcement powers. It introduces new rules, such as requiring pornography sites to stop children viewing content by checking ages. Platforms will also need to show they are committed to removing illegal content, including child sexual abuse, controlling or coercive behaviour, extreme sexual violence, illegal immigration and people smuggling, promoting or facilitating suicide, promoting self-harm, animal cruelty, selling drugs or weapons, terrorism. And that'd be illegal drugs. Okay? Now you might be thinking, the list I've given you, sexual abuse, controlling behaviour, sexual violence, immigration, illegal immigration, people smuggling, you might be you could be forgiven for saying to yourself, but don't we have laws, existing laws, to cover those crimes? Indeed we do. But they're not really interested in those crimes. We'll come back to that in a minute. The BBC writes, other new offences have been created, including cyber flashing, sending unsolicited sexual imagery online, and the sharing of deep fake, deep fake pornography, where artificial intelligence is used to insert someone's likeness into pornographic material. Powers in the Act that could be used to compel messaging services to examine the contents of encrypted messages for child abuse material have proved especially controversial. Okay, and it goes on to say that WhatsApp, Signal and iMessage are not happy at all because they cannot access or view anybody's messages without destroying existing privacy protections for their users. And they are threatening to leave the UK rather than compromise message security. Proton, a mail platform with a focus on privacy, says it would be prepared to fight the government in court if it is asked to alter its end-to-end encryption. And there is a quote on the BBC website from the CEO of Proton, you know Proton Mail, that's Andy Yen. He says the internet as we know it faces a very real threat. He says the bill gives the government the power to access people's private messages and says, quote, no one would tolerate this in the physical world, so why do we in the digital world, end quote. I would argue, again, it's got nothing to do with all of those crimes which are already existing crimes, right, which carry very severe penalties. It's about something else. It is about opinions, dear listener. It is about the ability, the right, the human right of me. Let's talk about me for a minute. Not that it's about me. It's not got anything to do with me, but I can only speak for myself. I sit here Monday to Thursday at five o'clock and I talk a lot of bollocks, right? But it's certainly not harmful bollocks. That, that is in the monologues. But sometimes, like today, or often, often, I will introduce a guest, a learned man or woman who has researched something and has got something to say on it. Quite often something which is contradicting established thinking or what it is we are told we must believe by governments and by other authorities. That's what I do and that is what they want to get rid of. Ultimately, not me. They don't know anything about me, but anybody like me is in the target hairs or the crosshairs of this. Now, Full Fact has supported the bill. You've seen Full Fact It's a NGO, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a charity which goes out of its way to basically troll what what it describes as conspiracy theorists, right? To, To try and debunk conspiracy theorists, which I've got no problem with. I have no issue with full fact existing and I have no issue with it going after anybody, including myself. But it goes beyond just debunking what people say 
or think or might talk about on programmes like this. Full fact said, retrograde changes to the bill means it doesn't go far enough to address the way platforms treat harmful misinformation and disinformation. And it quotes a guy called Glenn Tarman. He's the head of policy at Full Fact. He says, quote, Our freedom of expression is left in the hands of self-interested internet companies while dangerous health misinformation is allowed to spread rampant. Not happy with it. It hasn't gone far enough. It has gone far enough and it probably will be tested in the law as the CEO of Proton Mail said. But the upshot of the law is this. It is dealing with that with, which is legal but possibly harmful. And if you just look at the independent media in the last three years, what has it done largely? What has it done which the legacy or the mainstream media has, has failed to do? Well, the independent media gave a platform to the many men and women of science and of medicine who challenged the thinking around lockdowns and around vaccines. That is what we did. And that must go. The oft-mentioned future Mrs. French, she is from the wonderful city of Nancy. She said to me this afternoon, I've been listening to French Radio Richie, she said, as I work, she works from home. And there is a similar bill in France. Now, we, we know this. Uh, she was good to remind me of it, though. There is a similar bill going through in Ireland. The European Union is dealing with this issue as well. They want to basically... What they want to do is say, right, we have authorities. They are trusted authorities. For example, here in the United Kingdom, a medicine, when it, is, um, when it ends up on the shelves of over-the-counter pharmacies or when it, ends being, when it ends up being passed, fit for doctors to prescribe. That decision is made by the MHRA, the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Agency in England. That's right, MHRA. Or is it Regulatory Authority? MHRA. Let me just do that because I don't want to talk about misinformation and ironically give you misinformation, right? It's the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. It is run by a woman called June Rain. So what they want to do is, they want to say, that is the authority. It is the authority, full stop. And anybody who says anything outside of that, so the MHRA passes a vaccine. We think the vaccine might be harmful because we've heard from an expert who says this has come into being, it's, it's been passed too quickly. We think they've ridden roughshod over the testing process, maybe you shouldn't take this vaccine. What's going to happen in the future is, those of us that decide to interview the expert who says don't take the vaccine, our carriers, that is the, the, the webmasters where, we have, where, where, where our websites reside, the streaming companies which enable me to talk to you today, will be compelled to stop streaming and stop hosting because the MHRA is the authority. It is the accepted authority. And if this guy is interviewing somebody about vaccine safety, he is potentially putting others in harm's way because they might need that vaccine, you see, but they might hear Baldy speaking to his guest in America who went to Harvard University and that might disincentivize somebody from having a jab. And that might kill them in the long run. I'm not talking nonsense here. This is how it's going to work. Legal, but harmful. 
It is perfectly legal for this guy to talk about the potential harms of the jabs. We can't really make that illegal because then we really would look like Nazis. So how do we get around that? Well, we say it's probably going to harm people. Therefore, it's got to go. Do you get me? Am I boring you? Am I being a bit repetitive again? I probably am. But that is it. This is where it all leads. We've heard this already. When they were... When this was sent to Juggiers for royal assent two or three weeks ago, when it passed the House of Lords, it was written about in the Telegraph and in the Times of London that Rumble, the video sharing or the video hosting platform where people put their videos these days because YouTube will ban them, where people do live streams, it was written in the Telegraph and in the Times that Ofcom will have the authority to shut down Rumble in the UK to make it impossible for people in the UK to watch Rumble because they'll go after people you know they will they will cite an example Russell Brand was mentioned at the time in the Times or in the Telegraph and they will say harmful information has been broadcast on this particular channel on this particular website therefore we'll block it in the UK as we blocked RT.com now listeners will be immediately reaching for their smartphones to text me to say oh you're Richie but I'll use an IP address yeah at the moment that works but look at China what they'll do is they'll ban the company sorry 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 listeners will say to me Richie I will use a a what do they call it what do they call it oh god I use one myself sometimes it's um it's a hidden IP address thing anyway oh god hang on I'm um I'm typing uh, yeah. What's it called? Uh, virtual private network. That's right. Right. So I will use a virtual private network, Richie. Ha ha. And I will get around it and I will watch Rumble if I like. But they, they tried that in China. And the Chinese government had the answer to that. They will legitimize one or maybe two. They will legalize one or two virtual private network providers and they'll ban the rest of them. That's how it's going to be. So the online harms or the online safety bill is now low in this country. And that is a terrible, terrible thing. This is the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from BBG Terrace here in Salford. A track, please. When I come back, we'll talk about something else, okay? 14 and a half minutes past the hour. This is uh, the police and every breath you take. Shannon Rowan is my guest later on. You don't want to miss her. Very interesting lady. The police and every breath you take on the Richie Allen Show. 17 and a half minutes past the hour of 5 o'clock. Thursday's programme, October 26, 2023. Halloween is only around the corner, eh? There's only five more shopping days to Halloween. Or four. The Pagan Festival. Cookie is in France. Hi, Cookie. Rumble is banned here, Richie. I use it mostly since YouTube became such a knob. Thank you, Cookie. YouTube became a knob. It sure did. Hi to Paulie, VPN, yeah, virtual private network, that's the one. Um, yeah, at the moment, I can use a VPN and go to RT.com. But um, I don't believe that VPNs will be so easily accessible in the near future. As I've already said, I'm boring myself, but there you are. Lovely. 
Um, Mark says, hi, uh, Mark. He says, um, oh, thank you for that. Very nice message. Thank you, pal. Rob says a Tory MP has been arrested for suspicion of rape and possession of controlled substances. I did see that this afternoon. Thank you for that. Hi to Ardell, who says, I received an email from someone in my organisation and spotted an image attached in the email, uh, in the signature of the email, which read, certified carbon literate. I looked this up and there is indeed a certification programme where you take a day's training to become certified as somebody who is aware of the effects of carbon on the climate. And he sent me the website address. It is carbonliteracy.com. That is astounding, Ardell. Wow. Wow. You can take a day's training and become certified as a person, a good person, a person of honour who is aware of the effects of carbon on the climate, carbonliteracy.com. Thank you. Um, really appreciate that. Hi to Kay. Uh, thank you, Kay. Listen to the papers this lunchtime. Thank you. Monday to Monday to Friday. Steve says, Richie, finally get... Thank you, Steve. Keep the messages on point, please, dear listener, about the subjects at hand, if you don't mind. RichieAllen.co.uk or use the app for the programme. Uh, the website, RichieAllen.co.uk, um, was labouring under a lot of traffic a short time ago and was a little bit slow. But download the app to your smartphone or whatever. Download it. The Richie Allen Show app, Google Play or the App Store if you don't mind. And do leave a review for it as well, please. A little bit of Israel-Palestine, just a little bit. But before that, right, um, the suspect... Have you been following this? Um, let, let me just go to the BBC website very quickly. Armed and dangerous. Suspect still at large as 18 killed in Maine shooting. So the police in Maine, near Lewiston in Maine, the state of Maine, are chasing a guy called Robert Card, who's 40. Well, they're saying he's a person of interest. They're saying he's armed and dangerous. Um, there was a shooting last night in Maine. They reckon 18 people have died as a result of this and many more people are injured. The state governor, Janet Mills, has warned the public not to approach the suspect if they recognise him. Lewiston is about uh, 38,000 in population. It's on lockdown. They've locked down this small city. Businesses have been told to close and people have been told to stay at home. Isn't that interesting? And you can be arrested, apparently, if you're outdoors now in Maine, in Lewiston in Maine. You can actually be arrested because they've told you to stay home because a shooter is on the run. And presumably people are just taking this and staying at home. So they've widened the shelter-in-place order, the police, the shelter-in-place order to include nearby Bodoin, Auburn and Lisbon, three nearby towns in Maine, telling people you've got to stay home. And if you're out, you can be arrested. Ah, the tyranny is wonderful, isn't it? Police responded last night to reports at two locations, a restaurant and a bowling alley. I don't understand guns, me. I really don't. I have no interest in them. I'd never have one. Uh, truthers have gone into overdrive, presumably, saying it didn't happen, or it's uh, a false flag, a staged event. You know what the truthers are like, with no proof. I hope they catch the guy alive for a change. They generally do not. Let's talk about Israel for a little while. Remember Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations? Remember what he said? He said something very benign in New York City the other day about what's gone on and about the reasons for it. This was the benign statement. It is important to also recognise the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. 
the Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. But the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas, and those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. Yeah, that was all very fair. The occupation is illegal, it's terrible, but it doesn't justify the murders in southern Israel, and the murders in southern Israel do not, in turn, justify the siege of Gaza. Fair enough. There's been a huge fallout over this, of course. The Israelis not happy. Speaking to Kay Burley on Sky News this morning, the Israeli ambassador to the UK, Chippy Hotavelli, Chippy Hotavelli, Kay Burley basically allows herself to be used, well, as a bitch. I wonder, does Kay feel dirty after this? Listen. The UN Secretary General has clarified his comments. Are you content with his clarification or do you still want him to step down? I would say the world number one diplomat should have known better when he said what he said. So even though he clarified, I must say that he forgot what the UN stands for. The UN was established after the Second World War, after the atrocities of the Holocaust. That was the main aim of this building in New York, to make sure those atrocities won't be repeated. When you have such a clear case of evil and good, when you have such a clear case of democracy fighting against those evil terrorists... You can jump in anytime you want, Kay. There isn't such a clear case of good versus evil, really. I mean, two and a half thousand kids have been killed in Gaza in the last couple of weeks. So you can't say there's a clear-cut case here where you've got good on one side and evil on the other. You just can't say that. And the presenter should stop her in her tracks, but doesn't. He should have known better. Saying it was created, um, you know, not uh, in a vacuum, has a blame in it, has the, the very sick idea that babies that were killed, people that were beheaded. Jump in any time you want now, Kay. He didn't blame anybody. He certainly didn't blame the victims. He said it's terrible, it's not excusable, the occupation. But things don't happen in isolation. You know, people don't just decide to get paragliders and submachine guns just for no good reason at all. They have a reason, even though the act itself is heinous. The reason actually exists and you've got to discuss it. Where does it originate? So that's all he did really was the UN Secretary General. Kate could jump in anytime. They are blamed for, for those atrocities that Hamas committed. So, no, he didn't blame them. So it's like blaming the Jews for the Nazis' atrocities. No, he didn't do anything like blame the Jews for the Nazis' atrocities. He just said there's a long history there. This is why I think he should have apologised and he should have clarified his words because words in diplomacy, as I know as a diplomat myself, has... Uh, She's not much of a diplomat, is she? Really serious... Uh, consequences. Uh, Madam Ambassador, he, he did clarify he, um, when he spoke. He Kay's voice goes really soft, you know. You'll often hear Kay be pretty, what would you say with people, pretty gruff, you know, pretty curt, very soft, because you've got to tread very carefully when you've got the Israeli ambassador in the studio. He had a short news conference um, yesterday after the words the night before, and he said, I spoke of the grievances of the Palestinian people, and in doing so, I also clearly stated, and I quote, but the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas. It's not good enough. I think that... You're still uh, calling for his resignation? I think, I think the most important thing, he needs to know that during the war, the UN has a role. See, a really good presenter there, or even a moderately decent presenter, would say, why isn't it good enough? 
And what's wrong with what he said? Your your country has been occupying um, Gaza uh, for decades now, hasn't it? You know, you've occupied. You, you know, your people are con- con- continue to steal the land of Palestinians, to murder them, to kidnap their children. You know, to fly over the place whenever you feel like it and drop bombs, Mrs. Ambassador. What's wrong with you? What he said was perfectly legitimate, but of course, Cape Verde is never going to go there. And if he's going to be biased on that, and uh, unfortunately, this is the same UN that uh, located Iran on the... And I swear to you, you can find it online if you don't believe me. She droned on and on and on and burly sat there like a bitch. It's as simple as that. Hundreds more were murdered in the last 24 hours. It's a turkey shoot for Israeli planes over Gaza. But let's listen to the Qatari Foreign Minister, Mohammed al Khulaifi. He gave an exclusive interview to Sky News' Dominic Waghorn. The Qatari Foreign Minister, Mohammed al Khulaifi, he uh, talks about a two-state solution being the only way out of this. From this unique role Qatar has, and I don't think any other country is able to talk to all the players in this conflict, really, are they, as well as you are. What are the chances of actually de-escalating what's happening here? But also, what are the dangers? What's at stake for the region if that doesn't happen? Well, as I mentioned to you, we have some priorities. And our priority right now is not to expand that circle of violence beyond the borders of the conflict area itself. And that's a challenge that we've been facing. And to, to, to work on that matter, we've managed to work with our neighbors, regional players, and also international partners to make sure that we work together around um, um, you know, facing those, those challenges and presenting uh, permanent solutions to the issue. Now, in terms of this conflict, uh, I have to say, the only solution for it is the long-standing permanent and just solution for the Palestinian case. We've been calling for that. Uh, and, and our political position has been clear since day one when it comes to, to the Palestine situation. Palestine deserves to have an independent state by itself, uh, uh, based on the Arab uh, Peace Initiative, two-state solution with uh, the border of 1967 uh, uh, and East Jerusalem as its capital. This is nothing new. We have mentioned that before. We said that we need to go back again to the main issue, which is a permanent solution to the issue, and not to think of only temporary solutions and forget about the Palestinian case. And I think that's the issue that that we need to focus on, and that's the issue that uh, we've been discussing either in regional institutions, such as the GCC and the Arab League, but also international communities, such as the United Nations. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Labour is allegedly tearing itself apart over this. Keir Starmer has refused to call for a ceasefire. He, you remember a couple of weeks ago, he said that Israel's blockade was justified. He said that denying of food, water, fuel and electricity was justified. He said it, he told uh, Nick Ferrari on LBC Radio. Uh, Rachel Shabby is a writer. She's Jewish. Um, she said this to LBC Radio yesterday. I, d- I don't know what he's being guided by, but what I know is definitely the case is that he has no moral backbone right now. And the people who he's listening to do not know what they're talking about. This is a really low bar. It really is. All we are saying is, can you just ask Israel to comply with humanitarian law and international law? And we're asking this of a guy who's a human rights lawyer for crying out loud. If he cannot tell the difference, if he cannot summon the will right now to say, my understanding of human rights law and the basic rules of engagement is that you do not respond to a war crime with another war crime. And by the way, that answers the question you asked Ali. You do not starve people of water and fuel and food, commit a war crime, because a war crime has been committed against you. That is the basics 
of the engagement of the rule of law in when it comes to war. And that's why that's not happening. And that's why that's a war crime for Israel to do that. And for Keir Starmer to not be able to say very clearly, that is a breach of humanitarian law. You have to call for a ceasefire, which by the way, there's overwhelming majority um, British support for. Um, you have to leave, lift the siege on Gaza so humanitarian aid can go in. The journalist Rachel Shabby, who is herself Jewish. 29 minutes to the top of the air of the Richie Allen Show. This week, sponsored by Nutrahealth365.com. Winter's on its way, and so are colds, flu, and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from Nutrahealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin, to give your body that winter. Boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all Nutra Health 365 orders come with free two day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. You're listening to your Richie Allen Show on richieallen.co.uk. The Richie Allen Show is the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. It isn't an idle boast, it is a fact. Do uh, subscribe to. Uh, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, do, um, how do you do, I don't know how you do it, you follow, that's right, so if you're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to be, follow the Richie Allen Show, every episode uploads there automatically after the programme has ended, I really cannot wait to speak with Shannon Rowan, uh, not too far from now, the author, she's more than an author, some really interesting books, particularly a book uh, she released this year that I'm really anxious to talk about, in fact I've ordered a copy of it for myself, uh, shots fired, she sent me a copy. She was good enough to send me a copy, but I've ordered a copy. Shots fired, vaccine weapons, medical tyranny, and the war against humanity. Stay tuned for that. Your comments, thank you for them. Hundreds coming in. You've left them for me through the app. Download the app, the App Store or Google Play. Gaz says, I don't know much about Gaza, but it is an area surrounded by the Islamic world. You would think they would intervene. Well, let's hope they don't, Gaz, because then it's a WWIII, isn't it? Uh, some people at least think that in any case. Uh, hi to Dino. Hi, Dino. I keep seeing that uh, people saying the masses are waking up when in reality the tyranny rolls on. Are the masses waking up? I don't know, Dean. Richie says, I wouldn't mind doing the carbon literary course just to find out what bollocks they spew out. Thank you, Richie. Hi to Roger. Uh, thank you for that, Roger. Yeah, I'll do that a bit later on. I appreciate that. Gordo says, Richie, people need to read the book We Have Been Harmonised by somebody called Strit Matter. It's about life in China's surveillance state. It's all in there, mate. Thank you, uh, Gordo. Hi to Ian, who says, I use Brave Browser, and it is encrypted, and all in one ad blocker as well. That's uh, the virtual private networks as a way around when eventually they ban Rumble, as they banned RT.com. Yeah, absolutely. Hi to Anne. Hi, Anne, who says, good choice of me. You're very welcome, Anne. Good choice of music, she says. Good on you, Anne. Hi to Heather in the UAE. Thank you, Heather. I'll get on it. Uh, hi to Scottish John, who says, I didn't know you could vomit from your ears until I heard the Israeli representative uh, speaking at the United Nations. Thank you. Faisal says, first I heard that WhatsApp was against this bill. Maybe if they'd made their position a bit clearer, this bill could have been stopped since just about everybody with a smartphone uses WhatsApp. That's right, I would argue. Faisal is absolutely bang on the money. Let's talk about something else momentarily before 
we run out of time. Um, if there is any news out of Maine, by the way, I will bring it to you, okay? Okay, now, this is interesting. BBC News Round. News Round is a programme, television programme, produced for children. It is a news bulletin for children. And it has been teaching on its website that white privilege is a fact. And this has pissed a lot of people off. It is a youth-focused news service, as I just said. It's facing complaints over an article on its website titled White Privilege. What is it and how can it be used to help others? How can you use your white privilege to help other people? I know, it's all a bit mad, isn't it? Well, speaking about this on the media today was a guy called Rafe Heidelman-Koo. Rafe Heidelman-Koo. He is a leading royal commentator and a talking head. Here he is in conversation with a guy called Mike Graham on Talk TV. White privilege being taught as fact to children. This is just, you know, the, the latest example of the degree to which our institutions have been captured by radical ideology. Yeah. But this is particularly pernicious because, you know, in schools, you're not allowed to promote contested ideology, like right. critical race theory, yes. white privilege and gender ideology. Mm. But here we have the national broadcaster mm. doing precisely that. And we're paying for it. Mm. We're paying for our children to be indoctrinated. Yes in the most heinous, corrosive sort of ideology that stokes division amongst people. Yes. I mean, you go and tell white working-class boys that they are um, beneficiaries of white privilege, mm. the most underachieving segment yes. of our population. You go and, and tell... The most underrepresented, uh, and the most underrepresented people, by the way, at the BBC. Yeah, because well, the BBC claims to be diverse, but of course it isn't, as I always say. The problem with the BBC is everybody works there is middle class. It doesn't matter what colour you are. Uh, he doesn't know that. The presenter doesn't know that there are, are no working class people at the BBC. He shouldn't say that, really. Uh, they've all got a middle class background. They've got no working class kids there at all. Any evidence? Well, and of course, one of the problems is the BBC doesn't have adverts, but if you switch over to a channel with adverts, you won't, if you see a single white person in a commercial break, yes. I'll give you five pounds. Yeah, right. I'll tell you what, the ads are funny these days. We've talked about the ads many times on this programme, but they're getting even stranger. Same-sex couples in many ads, uh, mixed-race couples in many ads. It's just not the reality that I experience here in Salford. You know, I know there are same-sex couples and God bless them and good luck to them. And there are mixed-race couples and again, God bless and good luck. I don't care. None of my business. Um, friends of ours, um, Alvaro and and uh, and Andy, they're gay. They're married. They're great. They're fantastic. But they're in the minority. But you wouldn't believe that if you were to, you know, watch Coronation Street and wait around for the ads. The ads are crazy. Mad stuff in the ads, you know. Anyway, let's leave Rafe alone there. Do you believe we went to the moon? Do you believe my own dog did that to me? Um, said Tom in Father Ted. Do you believe we went to the moon? I interviewed Bart Sabrell many, many, many years ago. Many years ago. When, when not a lot of people knew who Bart Sabrell was. In fact, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. His documentary had only just been released. And I spoke to Bart. He was fantastic, was Bart. Fantastic. He went to Buzz Aldrin and he asked Buzz to swear on the Bible that he'd been to the moon and Buzz gave him a dig. He smacked him in the mouth. Gotta love that. I want you to swear on the Bible. Bosh, have some of that. Get away from me. And off he went, in any case. So, look, I'm agnostic about these things. The moon's a strange thing. But apparently, we're going to go back to the moon very soon. Says who? Says Tim Peake. Remember Tim Peake? He was in the International Space Station for a while, British astronaut. They're like uh, hen's teeth British astronauts. They don't come around very often. So Tim was in the International Space Station, and we had to put up with Tim for about 18 months. Because he was on every breakfast television programme every day, saying the same bloody shite every day. Hi, Tim. Hi, Kay. What's the view like this morning, Tim? 
Same as the last 312 days, Kay. And before you ask me, I piss into a hose and the wee-wee floats away into space. That was it every day for 312 days. I wee into a hose and the wee-wee floats away. And it's, it's funny the first two or three times. And then it gets boring watching the wee-wee. Weightlessness has become a pain in the arse now, Kay. So that's how it was. Here's Tim on LBC Radio with Andrew Marr. Are we going back to the moon, Tim? I love this. Here he is. The moon. We're returning back to the moon, uh, which was clearly a huge event in the 1960s. And that is going to be so exciting for future generations and today's generations to see that. Um, because we're going back to stay. We're, we're going to actually uh, envisage building a laboratory on the south pole of the moon, having an orbital space station around the moon as well. Um, so rather than doing one-off missions, we're going to stay. So it's going to stay on the moon, eh? Instead of visiting the moon, we will colonise the moon. We will start to build research laboratories mm. there, absolutely. We'll look at the resources that are on the moon that could be useful and potentially use that as a stepping stone to Mars. And what... Stepping stone to Mars, eh? ...on the moon would be useful. Well, at the moment, there's a lot of water ice that we know about, North Pole and South Pole. So whenever you have water ice, you can split that into hydrogen and oxygen, which is great rocket fuel, the best rocket fuel you could ask for. You can clearly use that to, to drink and, and a part of your survival systems in atmospheric generation as well. Lovely rocket fuel, right? What he says next is very interesting. But there are also other minerals um, on the surface of the moon, some that we know about and some that we don't know about. We've, we've yet to discover the 12 um, Apollo missions uh, that uh, successfully landed and you know, we, we really have only scratched what what did he say there i found this fascinating we've yet to discover what now tim some that we know about and some that we don't know about we've we've yet to discover the 12 um, apollo missions uh, that uh, successfully landed and you know, we, we really have only scratched the surface of the moon it sounded like he changed his mind mid-sentence there didn't he Help me out, dear listener, because I know that you are more interested in these matters than I am. I'm interested, but I know you're a madman. You're really interested, right? Is he saying that you cannot see any of the remnants of the previous space missions? Because when they, when they said they went to the moon a number of times, right? And then they obviously jettisoned, they, they left the surface of the, of the moon and they came back to Earth. But they left a lot of stuff behind. Am I to understand that you cannot see that stuff with a telescope? Even a very powerful telescope, is he saying we don't have any evidence or we, we, we can't find the previous missions? Because it sounded like he was saying that and then he stopped. He just stopped himself. I'm, I'm really fascinated. I'll tell you what else I'm fascinated about. Are there any photographs of the moon taken in the last few years from the surface? Because I can't find any. No, I think is the answer. And if no, why not? Because we have some amazingly sophisticated things now that they are sending to Mars these little rovers that they send instructions to from Houston, Texas or wherever, and the rover goes, goes on little reconnaissance missions on Mars. Are there any photographs from the lunar surface taken in recent years? Hmm. Why not? If not, why not? I was researching this today. I couldn't find any photographs. In the 1820s, the Bavarian astronomer Franz von Paula Gluthusen Franz von Paula Grütjusen claimed to have glimpsed entire cities on the moon. Remember that? With his telescope. He wrote that Lunarians who lived there had built very sophisticated buildings, roads and forts. He wrote that... Now, he might have been pissed when he wrote this stuff. I have no idea. Most of his colleagues scoffed at him at the time, but he eventually had a lunar crater named after him. Franz von Paula Grütjusen. 
Yeah, he said he saw entire cities there. Remember, sir, William Herschel, the British astro- astronomer and composer, William Herschel, he said aliens lived on the moon and made, he said he made regular observations about the progress of their construction projects. But he was debunked later on. H.G. Wells wrote The First Men in the Moon, science fiction book. And uh, he said that um, the moon is hollow, didn't he? H.G. Wells. And didn't one particular country, who did it? Was it China? Was it Japan? Was it India? Who did it? Was it the United States? But haven't objects been flung at the moon? And if I'm right, didn't the moon make a ringing sound or a clanging sound? Isn't that right? I think that's true. You know, which would suggest that maybe the moon is hollow. Our old friend David Icke, God bless him, believes the moon is what projects the hologram. If we live in a holographic universe where nothing is as it seems to be. Does it ring? Does it clang? And after World War II, of course, we talked about this many times over the years, rumours circulated that German astronauts had travelled to the moon and had built a facility there for Adolf Hitler. And that is where he lived out the rest of his days. I don't believe that for a minute, but it's out there. It's out there. 16 and one half minutes to the top of the hour. It's time for another tune. Back in a moment with more chat. Don't forget Shannon Rowan will be with me. You don't want to miss her at all. You don't want to miss her at all at all. Keep your comments coming in. I'll read more of them in a moment. This is 1998. We're going back to 1998. And a song written by Bono to his wife Ali. Because he wasn't there for her. You too, the sweetest thing, Bonio there. Great video to that song. Everybody who was anybody in Ireland in 1988 was in the video. You too had been on the road for a few years and he neglected his family and he wrote the sweetest thing for his wife, Ali Houston. It did Bonio back in the day. Shannon Rowan will be with me in just under five minutes' time. Hi to Claire, who says, Richie, the Truman Show movie had the show's operational studio in the moon. That's right, Claire, the gallery, Claire, the gallery. Don't like to correct you now, Claire, the gallery in County Leitrim. We love Claire. Formerly of New Zealand. Hi to Chris, who says, the clangers, conspiracy fact or fiction discourse. Well, you help me out, dear listeners. Didn't the moon ring? When it was um, when they lobbed objects in its general direction, I'm pretty sure it did. There you go. Thank you, Heather. Hi to Simon, who says, "Have you have you been watching the Clangers recently?" I have. Hi to Kooky, who says the movies again. Iron Sky one and two. Nazis live on the moon. Very funny stuff. Worth a watch. I saw the first one. I thought it was only okay. Uh, hi to Tim, who says I might be wrong, but there is only one official photo of the Earth taken by NASA, which has since been manipulated and coloured many times over. Do you mean the moon, or do you mean Earth? Maybe you mean the moon. Uh, Davy says, Richie, was Neil Armstrong the first man on the moon? Well, who took the photo when he was walking down from the capsule? It's a good question. It's a very good question. I think the answer would probably be, they all stepped off the moon, and then they said, well, Neil, you were the first guy off the the moon lander. Why don't you go back on, Neil, and we'll take the photograph. Maybe. Maybe that is what they would say. I do not know. I don't know, dear listener. What do I know? I know nada. Uh, let's see, hundreds of comments coming in about this particular issue. Adam says the masses are waking up, they just don't know what it is they can do about it. And on white privilege, this from Jean Ann Crowley, which is fantastic. Isn't it mad when it comes to the blanket notion of white privilege? 
abject poverty in Ireland was widespread up until the 1950s and generations of sacrificing went on. Parents, generations of parents sacrificed to give their children a chance. And now we, the Irish, are being lumped in with our colonisers just cause, like Cromwell and Henry VIII, we happen to have the same skin colour. It's excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it, I, I couldn't put it any better, so I wouldn't dare even try. It is time for a very quick break. Back in a moment, and Shannon Rowan will be with me. You do not want to miss Shannon. Winter's on its way, and so are colds, flu, and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at RichieAllen.co.uk. Welcome back. Now it's 10 minutes to the top of the hour. I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest. I think many of you listening uh, will know of her, will have come across her before. She is an author. She is a Wi-Fi refugee. I want to find out what that means. I have an idea and a social critic. She's written several books, right, but a couple of them jumped right out at me, including a book which was published in May of this year, which is... um. Shots Fired, Vaccine Weapons, Medical Tyranny and the War Against Humanity. She's also written Wi-Fi Refugee, Plight of the Modern Day Canary. Let's welcome to our programme, Shannon Rowan. Hello. Hello, Richie. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's a real honour. I love your show. been a fan for many years. You're very kind. Listen, congratulations on the books. And uh, when I mentioned yesterday you were coming on, I did have quite a number of emails from people who were delighted. To, to learn you were coming on, they'd been, um, they'd, they'd known about you, they'd read the books and they'd seen you speaking elsewhere, so I really am thrilled. Shannon Rowan, I mean, you've got to have a bit of paddy in you there somewhere, do you? Uh, I do, yes, <laughs> and I've lived in Ireland, actually. Where did you live? I lived in Kerry, in a, a very small town called Schneem. I never heard of the town, but Kerry is wonderful. It's, it's the knot in the ring of the, and uh, then, the Ring of Kerry, they call it. You know, the Knot is that little town. But uh, I guess Killarney would be the nearest big town, and Kenmare is another closer, Wonderful. You know, larger town. Did you enjoy yeah. your time there? I loved it. It was in the 90s when uh, things were a lot cheaper and freer. <laughs> so, freer. yes. <laughs> yeah, cheaper and freer. God be with the days when things were cheaper and freer. I'm going <laughs> to use that. Shannon, um, thanks for, for coming on. I'm really excited to, to meet you and to have you on the program. What is, uh, there's so much, we're, we're going to go to the top of the next hour, seven o'clock my time, but that's going to fly by. I'm very interested in the impacts of non-ionizing radiation on people. I believe it's causing, I believe it's chaotic for the people who suffer under it. Tell us when you wrote Wi-Fi Refugee, Plight of the Modern Day Canary. What's a Wi-Fi Refugee? Okay. Yeah, I wrote it um, a couple of years ago. Well, I wrote, I wrote it over a few, course of a few years, but it came out when I released a book uh, with co-author John Hamer. You probably are familiar with his work. Yeah. 
Um, and that's Welcome to the Ras Welcome to the Masquerade, Prelude to the Coming Reset, and re-released that in 2022. And I also released my book coinciding with that, but I'd been working on it for some time before that. So, um, but I I call it what being a Wi-Fi refugee um, is trying to flee Wi-Fi, basically. But I mean all things wireless, you know, um, kind of encompassed in that. Um, and so I am one of many, of millions, actually. There's estimated 10 million in the world, um, people like me, who have become sick from these exposures. And in the, in the way that we can actually feel it harming us when it's happening, I do believe there is a lot of evidence to support um, the fact that everyone is being harmed to some degree, um, but some of us are more sensitive or become sensitized to it than others for whatever reason. It's not really certain. I think um, something to do with like a threshold level of exposure where you reach a tipping point. And I think that's what happened with me, kind of like an allergy, right, where you're exposed to something too many times and then you become have like an allergic reaction to it. So that's what's happened to me and millions of others. And then we've had to seek um, safe places, which are dwindling because, of course, this net, I see it as almost like a drag net is enclosing, you know, encompassing the whole earth. And and it's like stated goals of these companies is to do that and of government. So I think there's um, many things involved with why uh, many aspects of surveillance, certainly, and also just um, mind control even, and we can get into that, but um, controlling us mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so definitely a control agenda involved here. And yeah, so when I got sensitized and affected, I would say they used to call it radiation sickness or um, microwave syndrome, microwave sickness in the 50s and 40s and 50s when radar operators were affected and had the same kind of symptoms, but now they're calling it electro hypersensitivity or electrosensitivity which is trying to really like push this onto the victim, you know, to see us like as just having some kind of flaw. It's our problem. It's not really, you know, industry's problem or government's problem. So, um, so we are kind of forced to fend for ourselves and find places where we can feel well. And I have been fortunate to do so, but it's been quite a journey about eight years, nine years now. Um, having moved all over the country and um, was considering moving abroad, but that didn't work out. And I've known several people, I mean, many people, I can't say several, have come to me since then with their stories. And I know people still really desperate, desperately seeking safe havens. Over the years, I've, I've met people like Dr. Chris Busby, who's an expert in this field, and uh, Barry Trower. These are people you mm. will know, of course. I am convinced, and I'm objective, I, I always take an objective approach, I'm convinced that it's not a phenomenon, it's, it's, a, real, it's a real thing, and the symptoms you experience are not psychosomatic, they're not psychological, they're real, they're physical. I, I know people who, who suffer like you, and it's sad to hear you say that it's going to become more difficult for people to get away from, because of what some people call the space fence. The world is being turned into um, basically one big, microwave oven isn't it with 5g towers everywhere mm -hmm. with um devices or objects being placed in space to deliver wi-fi to the planet there won't be anywhere you won't be able to go to the arctic um on an expedition without uh, getting away from it because you'll be able to take out your phone and get very high speed uh, connectivity so that's a real concern that and i know again i know it's an hour and that's a lot for a lot of people but it's not a lot for us um, and, and of course we'll call this part one in any case so we are going to talk about vaccines in a minute and and viruses and stuff but is there anything imagine now shannon somebody is listening to this and they know that they are 
um, vulnerable to the technology and they can't get to the countryside or they can't get to a mountain, is there anything they can do to make it easier for themselves in the meantime that you're aware of? Oh, absolutely. And this is what I had to do when I was still stuck in the city trying to figure out where to go. I was in Washington, D.C. and it was really bad, you know, electric pollution there. Um, shielding, there are shielding options. Um, those are getting more challenging too, honestly, with 5G penetrating stuff that used to block, you know, because 5G's millimeter waves acts differently. Microwaves were more easily blocked and reflected. So I made uh, my own, well, my partner made a Faraday cage for us to sleep in <laughs> and it worked really well. Um, so there are, there's shielding technologies. And, and as this kind of fight increases between like those aware of this and trying to stop it and those, you know, the industry is trying to profit from it. Um, there are more and more products coming out for shielding. I'm not up on all of them, to be honest, but there are definitely people trying really hard to come up with uh, remedies and there are remedies and there are detoxification methods that can help too, because when your body's poisoned, especially with heavy metals, that just compounds factors. So definitely things you can do where you are for sure. And for anybody who thinks this is nonsense, and there, there, there may be some listeners who think, I, I don't buy this. Look, the Canadian police used it against the truckers, didn't they, Shannon? They used this technology against people. They used, what, what, what exactly is it, the sound wave technology or mm-hmm. microwave technology to unsettle people and to discourage them from, from hanging around? Uh, have I said that correctly? I think that's what they did. Well, there's, um, yeah, they definitely may have done that. Also, we saw some evidence of that in Australia with protests, their lockdown protests. Um, there are, you can look at the research, I have links to it in my books, um, but there's something called active denial system put out by the U.S. military, which they show on their website, you know, on YouTube, there's, there's, there they have their um, videos demonstrating what it can do. And this is actually using 5G um, millimeter waves, you know, this is beam forming and you could direct it at people, but they use it as a so-called non-lethal crowd control. And it's just supposed to make you feel like you're on fire so that you'll run away. <laughs> so no worries there, right? Yeah. <laughs> no worries. It's non-lethal, but, um, a lot of people, but some sensitive people might have skin blistering and rashes from it, but don't worry. It's harmless. Right. So that is, um, right. That's what's happening there. We're, we're your government and we think it's okay to heat your skin or to heat your internal organs because we don't like you hanging around and protesting against the other things we do. It's crazy, but it's true. Every word of it is true. You're listening to Sha- you're listening to Shannon Rowan. Uh, she's many things, but she's an author. Um, check out Shots Fired, Vaccine Weapons, Medical Tyranny and the War Against Humanity or, or Wi-Fi Refugee or both Plight of the Modern Day Canary live on the line from, from California. What an amazing three years it's been, eh? And every day we learn more about things like excess death and mortality rates. I've had guests on the programme this week. Um, we've seen debates that, that never really happened in the Irish and British parliaments about um, how excess death numbers are off the charts. Far more people are dying than should be expected to die at this time of year or any other time of year. And this, of course, is um, this is what you're all about. You've written about this in your books, in your book, Shots Fired. Um, are you getting it through to people? Are you getting through to people, Shannon? Are people starting to realise that something very, very terrible hasn't gone on, is going on right now? Mm, yeah, that's a good I mean, I think to some people who want to hear it, but I mean, unfortunately, I think even people really close to me who initially I think I intended these books for aren't really getting the message. I mean, if you want to not hear it and you want to live in denial, you know, that's obviously you're right 
and you can do that. But um, I know that did not that denial you know in in egypt it's a very polluted river so i wouldn't want to live in it yeah yeah let's talk about the vaccines right let's talk about the vaccines um before we talk about that let's deal with something that's controversial for some people not for me now by the way not for me at all but uh, my listeners were very excited when they heard you were coming on because you talk about germ theory and terrain theory and i've Kind of, kind of. I haven't deep dived into it, but I have interviewed one or two people about it in the past, and they've had differing opinions on it. I know nothing. I certainly haven't done the research you've done, but um, I'm of the belief anyway, and you might be able to convince me otherwise, Shannon, that okay. um, if I go into a room and people are unwell and they're sneezing, I'm probably going to, to come down with something. I can be a bit sensitive to that sort of thing. And I know that for years, and I mean, I know some people who worked in... In, in medicine or worked in biotech or worked in microbiology. And I know that tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, millions of people have worked over the years, worked on viruses, worked with viruses. And they say, look, viruses are real, germs are real, and they do play a part in our, you know, in the well-being of our nation and all of that. So, so that's kind of how I see it. But, mm. I, but I am very open-minded. You, um, to your absolute credit, you've gone and had a look at it and you're not so sure about germ theory and you're not so sure about viruses and that's why your book is fascinating and I am enjoying reading it. Where did that begin for you? Did it begin during the lockdown, during the first lockdown? Yes, it did. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, maybe earlier um, in some ways because I, I, at least in terms of subscribing to like so-called allopathic medicine, I've been, you know, definitely critical of that for a long time just because of my own injuries from pharmaceuticals and vaccines. Um, and not seeing that work out well, you know, but I hadn't quite, I hadn't said, oh, I don't think viruses are real or that they can, they can't, you know, cause, cause or not cause disease. Um, but I just, you know, when I, when this whole thing happened in early 2020, it was so, so many things, just red flags raised for me and got me really suspicious. And I think that's when I started questioning. Um, I also happened to hear James McComiskey, um, you may know him and his work on a, a program and got in touch with him. And he wrote the foreword of this book, actually, um, and looked into his work. And he's really, you know, did a deep dive into viruses and, you know, whether they exist or not. And what, you know, yes, like a lot of things, the establishment tells us um, not really, really quite what they're telling us. And I again, like people actually who are doctors, virologists or whatever, I mean, the thing is, they they drank the Kool-Aid, right? They believe what they're working on is what they're told they're working on. They have these tenets. It's all kind of like, to me, and this is what I present in the book, um, it's really based on a belief. It's, you know, there are beliefs involved. It's not true science. It's not just observational science. You know, they start with certain foundational principles, which are beliefs. And so what people say when they're looking at viruses, they're showing us viruses, they're not actually showing us a genome. They've never photographed the genome. They put that together in a computer model. So they think they're, so it's all these hypotheses of like, well, we're looking at these particles and we think that these are the strands and that this then makes this kind of genome, but they can't show us this. They can't photograph it. And we do now have the technology to do that. So it doesn't make sense that they're not doing this. I mean, virus means poison from the Latin for poison. And it wasn't until it was the 1915 or when they start saying virus, when it was the bacteriologists couldn't find bacteria to, you know, present to back their hypothesis for to support germ theory. So they didn't have 
the bacteria. So they said it must be something smaller we can't see. We just don't have the technology to see it. And you can see where that can go, that kind of logic. Oh, we, there could be something smaller than a virus that we can't see now. There could be something smaller than that. But we know there must be something there doing this, right? Um, and it's just this very simplistic model um, that I think supports tyranny, that like this one germ causes this one kind of disease. That means we have this solution for you, right? And we've seen what the solutions have been and how hor horrifying they are. And so to me, it's just been, I think it's just come into being as a political tool and it isn't really based in reality. Um, but also I understand what you're talking about when you say, well, I, I feel I have the experience and everybody can relate to this, that somebody sneezed around me and then I started having these same symptoms. But the problem is when we just focus, hyper-focus on germ theory, we shut out all the other possibilities and we're just not seeing these, you know? So when you open your eyes and you say, okay, maybe germ theory is not real, especially with all these experiments, like trying to prove germ theory, like, like, you know, putting, uh, getting snot from one person and then putting it in the throats of another and, you know, and not being able to prove that it does this and not definitely not consistently. So there's other factors and there's definitely more going on in our world. And this is where like, um, you know, bioresonance is one theory. So we've got like the electromagnetic fields and our energy fields around us and how we influence each other. So, you know, you might notice that if you're more emotionally connected to a person that you may get sick from that person. Now you can excuse why well, I just spend more time with them, but maybe it's really that you're empathizing and you're having this like empathy reaction. Um, and then there's other things like you're exposed to the same things, you know, you're in the same environment that's polluted. So, um, but that's in a nutshell, you know, kind of, I mean, I can get a lot more into detail there, but there's just so much, you know, going on with the fraud that's been perpetrated. And I definitely see it as a fraud. I'm fascinated by it. You look, you've, you've got my mind really open. I'm, I'm, I'm very open to it. I mean, I did argue with a, a doctor, I think his name is Andrew Kaufman. I had him on, we had a, we had a robust exchange. It wasn't rude. And um, I accept this. I accept the idea that, you know, you might be drinking out of the same water source, you might be, um, you know, your environment, there might be things happening in the environment that might be impacting on you and your colleague and it might not not, not necessarily be germs. I totally get that. I, I, I'm open to that. And look, it makes some kind of sense if you as governments or, or, or the shadowy figures behind governments, if you are doing things, if you are doing things atmospherically, if you are doing things with technology, that do have a negative impact on people. It makes sense that you would like to write those effects on people, that you'd like to write them off as viruses or as, you know, transmissible illnesses. So I totally get that as well. I, I'm open to that. I know what these people are capable of. We've seen it not just in the, in, in the three years. And I know you were very much aware of agendas before uh, the COVID stuff anyway, uh, Shannon. It went back before COVID for you, is that governments could do these things. And what I'm fascinated, fascinated about is, is that you draw these things together, which might look separate, right? So locking people down and saying we need to do that to protect uh, the elderly and the, and the vulnerable. Um, we, we need to connect all of our cities. We need to connect people much quicker than normal. So we need to roll out all of these 5G towers. Um, here's a new mRNA jab. It's brand new, but it's brilliant. It's going to help you defeat all of these pandemics that come down the line. And you believe that these things are not, they're not standalone issues, that these issues are actually connected, that they're all part of a wider agenda to change the way we live, the way we experience life, and ultimately to change us. 
because transhumanism is something you're very interested in. Now, there's a lot in that, but you want to kind of just kind of skirt around the edges of that as to why you believe that these different, seemingly different things are in fact interconnected. Yeah. So why? That's an interesting question. Right. I guess just from all the research I've done, I start to see the relationships and I, maybe that's just a particular skill I have. Um, I don't, I think I am pretty good at connecting dots. So, you know, and the way I laid out my book is to go in chronological order, basically show the history of how this is, this has gone back a long ways, at least a couple hundred years. So I think this is just everything sort of like this, there's this foundation and then it's just built upon that. And the end goal is complete. Yeah. Complete sub subjugation of the human race of the planet. Um, you know, we're talking about psychopaths who just like power is never enough, you know, and they want to be masters of the universe. And they actually, I think, hate nature, hate natural people, natural anything. I mean, look at it, what a crime it's become to want to just be a natural human. You know, you can't like not inject your body with technologies. That's a crime in some places. You know, you can't just go breathe fresh air. You can't live in the wilderness. You can't live off grid in the wilderness and not be connected into this technological society. That's not okay. And that's a bad thing. You know, there is something suspicious about you even. Why would you want to do that? You must be some kind of Unabomber type of person, right? Why are you yeah. hiding away from society? What have you, what have you got to hide, right? We're we're like, we're being conditioned to accept that we should just be an open book and that everything about our lives should be transparent. You know, that privacy isn't a good thing for this, for society. Um, so yeah, it's just this creep, this totalitarian tiptoe, which I think has now turned into sort of a dance, <laughs> a little speeded up in recent years. Um, and so absolutely connected. And, you know, hopefully my book, if you read it, anybody who reads this could see that and, and understand that. You're listening to Shannon Rowan. Now, her most recent book is Shots Fired, Vaccine, Weapons, Medical Tyranny and the War Against Humanity. Check it out. Shannon, you'll tell us later on where you'd prefer people uh, to go and get the book. In fact, tell us now and you can tell us again later. Sure. Well, um, there's a few options. I actually have it on not just Amazon. Um, so if people don't want to support Amazon, they can go to Barnes & Noble's booksellers. Um, so all my books are there in both, you know, um, formats ebook and and print and you can also contact me if you're in the u.s i can do um you know shipping in the u.s but it's a little cost prohibitive otherwise so you can get a signed copy from me actually at discount if you want to go to my website which is www obviously wi-fi hyphen refugee.com so wi-fi with a hyphen between it and refugee.com and you can contact me there and get in touch with me directly some of my friends who t who think i'm a bit silly and they think my show is great entertainment but that ultimately that's all it is it's entertainment now I do have friends who believe this um, luckily we've got thick skin in the independent media and uh, I love my friends anyway but they say look I've got a problem with your long agenda theory why would people in the late 19th century be involved or want to be involved in an, in an agenda that wouldn't reach its conclusion until the mid part of the 21st century now that's a fair question what's your answer to that because i don't have a good one why would mm. napoleonic times why would people be involved in an agenda that wouldn't really come to fruition for 200 years or, or more well 
they might not necessarily might not necessarily be happening that way exactly. It's more that um, that people in power who want to keep their power see the advantage of building upon what they've done in the past to just keep going with that. I mean, obviously, new technologies make this possible. So, I mean, it's like almost just taking advantage. I think like any dictator, any tyrant at any time is going to use the tools at his disposal. You know, they're best suited to to controlling populations. So, I mean, obviously. I think, I mean, some, there could be other things. I don't really get deep into it, like the kind of stuff David Icke does, but maybe it's these bloodline families and they've been conspiring for thousands of years. I don't know that and I don't have proof of that. But to me, I see there's a progression. Um, and again, I mean, it's not that people didn't benefit at the time. I mean, Jenner, Edward Jenner, you know, first vaccine certainly benefited financially and in terms of position, power positions. And so did the governments at the time because of the mandated vaccines. Um, you know, so, I mean, there, there's been benefit all along. I, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that's the best way I can answer that. Friends of mine who are spiritual or are religious, they point me to something that Noah Harari said, who's Klaus Schwab's tech guru. Um, and that is that we don't have a soul and that we are hackable animals. Does that give mm. us a clue, really, as where this is going, the transhumanist element of, of all of this? Hackable animals we are. Yeah, if we get into the spiritual aspect, I mean, you could call this a spiritual war. Maybe it's been going on a really long time. Then we can start getting to esoteric topics and think. And I do. I, I like to embrace anything and think about anything, you know, because I can't definitively say what this earth really is, why we're really here. You know, I think anybody who can thinks they can say that is arrogant. And you know, so there's definitely mysteries there. And I think that, yeah, I mean, this whole transhumanist agenda to me looks like some kind of soul theft or or like or at least a tr attempt to do that, um, you know, because who wants to live forever in a machine and who, you know, what happens then to the part of you that we might call soul. So definitely there could be a lot going on there. Lots of questions. Um, Shannon, you won't be surprised. The UK prime minister today in London gave a speech. He said the world's first AI summit will take place in the UK really soon. It will next month, I believe. And he talked about harnessing AI, uh, we're going to make sure that it doesn't do any harm, but it has the potential to do great harm, he says. And they they go to this Terminator scenario, don't they, where artificial intelligence might eventually become self-aware and might decide that um, it should take over or it should, um, you know, wipe out humanity or, or whatever. When you hear things like that, what do you think? Well, a lot of that is to get us to comply, to be fearful. I mean, they're always using fear to get us to comply with the next step of control, right? So look at Elon Musk, right? He's always warning against AI, yet he's developing AI. So what's going on there? What's happening is he's saying, oh, we, he's using it to say, we need, it's going to outpace us, take our jobs. So we need to keep up with it. Therefore, you need to get the implant, you know, Neuralink into your brain, um, then you can you could be even smarter or just as smart as AI and actually comparing human intelligence with machine intelligence is absurd. You know, um, you can't compare it and it's never going to be more intelligent than us because it cannot have wisdom it, because it cannot have compassion because it's not human. Therefore, it cannot have human intelligence. It can never be better than us. It's a computer so it can compute. So it might compute faster than us and you know, use algorithms and, and mimicry. I mean, it's mimicking humans. So it's trying to, and it, that's trying just really to get us afraid that it can be like humans. 
um, and trying to compare us again, like acting like we're um, everything with medical, you know, language too. It's all going into this. We're just software. We have software. We're hard. We have hardware. We're just like computers. I mean, they use this language intentionally to condition us into acceptance of this view of ourselves um, so that we can then be controlled. I mean, when Musk talks about Neuralink, he's not letting you know that, you know, this is a two-way street. You know, yeah, you could get information into your brain, but it's also going to be taken out. And who's going to control? What's that information going to be? So you can access the Internet with your brain. I mean, you were talking in the first hour about this censorship and how crazy it's getting. Like, what's that going to be? Just Wikipedia, Google searches? You know, that's going to be your knowledge base and that alone. I mean, what are you going to become then? Um, and so obviously it's just an attempt to scare us into like more, you know, to like signing up for these things willingly at first. And then eventually it's like, well, you have to have your chip to get anywhere, just like your cell phone. Now that was first at first, that was a, something that people were able to buy like as a, you know, aid if they want it to or not. Now it's a compliance thing. Like, and it's, even if it's not in our so-called free societies, like, oh, you, you know, you don't really have to, but you do because you're getting shut out of everything because now you need the apps and you have to scan the QR codes to go anywhere and you have to be able to call even for like a curbside pickup from there. What if you don't have a cell phone? What if you can't have a cell phone like me? You know, so it's just like you get increasingly locked out whether or not it's made an official law. Now, what happened during pandemic lockdowns in other countries People were forced into having and carrying these radiating, microwave radiating, what I see as weapons, you know, with them at all times or, or else, you know, like you get thrown in prison. So and fined crazy amount of monies. It's funny you mentioned about not being able to participate. Thanks for saying that. I attend, I go to see Manchester United play um, most home games. The club decided last year without any consultation that there would be no paper tickets anymore. None that the only way to, to get in was to have the your your phone's wallet download the digital uh, QR ticket, and that's it. And that basically said to tens of thousands of older people, and I don't want to sound ageist because I'm not remotely ageist, but Shannon, that said to them, um, excuse my language, tough shit, really. Yeah. You know, you've got to have a phone or, or you don't get to come here. So you're right, that's a great point. You can't do very few things. Cinema's the same. I used to like, you know, when I used to go to the cinema, um, even when you, you, you downloaded the ticket on your printer. But it was still a QR code. And I didn't see back then where it was going. But, but, um, but you know, you could print off your ticket. And if you couldn't go, you know, you could give it to somebody they could go. But that, it's as much about surveillance and tracking every movement we make, isn't it? As much as anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and the first, you know, this really got started. So... You know, you had cell phones. Actually, um, in Ireland, I was there right before when there was a fight against the cell towers, the mobile masts, as you call them. Um, and then a few years later, I came to visit and the fight had been lost. Like people didn't, the Irish people actually didn't want that. And then they went in and when they put them in is next to hospitals and next to schools and schoolyards. And I was really like, whoa, that's weird. And I knew that like the radiation wasn't good. I didn't really know much about it, but I thought you shouldn't have that right next to a school, right? Right next to a hospital. That can't be good. Um, and then there was 9-11, right? So that there's, all these things, these big things that happen in the world have, there are multiple, I think, multiple agendas have with that. You know, it's like they check off a lot of boxes. It's not like just one thing that they want to happen from that. So again, maybe just taking advantage of the situation. 
But people were kind of hesitant, resistant to have cell phones. It wasn't like everybody had a cell phone in, in 20, 2001 in this country. Um, and suddenly after that, everybody's sort of like, oh, I have to have one with me because this could happen, this terrorist attack. And, you know, never mind that, like, nobody's phones actually worked. All the networks went down when that was happening, right? That's right. Um, but it just kind of pushed people into that, like, feeling of wanting to be tethered to their kids, you know, and, like, helicopter parenting and everything. So then that kind of came in. And then from there, of course, just making our phones into every other thing and not just a phone, like, you know, and then becoming more and more dependent upon them. And the addict addiction aspect, my one of my next books, I have a few kind of outlines for different books is going to be about tech addiction. Um, and so, yeah, there's just like this. But yeah, who would have like just willingly said, I want a tracking device that like with me at all times, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you here talk, we're doing it. Yeah. And you talk about tech addiction. There was a case in, in the US, I can't remember which state, but um, a teacher was badly, very badly beaten up by a student for, for withholding the student's phone. And mm. I read something in the Washington Post about it. And they, they, one, of the, one of the factors in the case was the kid went into absolute withdrawal meltdown uh, without the phone. A kid who hadn't been violent previously, but uh, without the phone, actually went into kind of like alcohol-type withdrawal symptoms, you know. So there, that's a very good point, that Shannon Rowan is our guest. Um, Wi-Fi-Refugee.com is the website. Look for shots fired, vaccine weapons, medical tyranny, and the war against humanity. God, it's funny you mentioned September the 11th and how all the networks collapsed and people couldn't speak. And yet somebody phoned his mom from one of the planes, Shannon. Yeah, I and wondered about that. Remember that? <laughs> and actually, and wanted, yeah. his, and wanted his mom to believe him. Y you do believe it is me, mom, right? Because that's exactly what you would say when you're under hijack on a, on a Boeing 727. The things that have happened in the last 30 years alone. So you mm. talk about medical tyranny. Look at what happened to, like we talk about doctors who warned about the jabs. Look at how doctors were destroyed People should read Shannon's book, by the way. Read the book, Shots Fired, Vaccine, Weapons, Medical Tyranny and the War Against Humanity. Get a copy of it today and share it with somebody you love after you've read it. When, when, when you think back, when doctors who'd been around for years and they said, ah, oh, right, so we have a bit of a virus. Listen, why don't you try ivermectin? Sure, we know it's an antiparasitic, but we know that it's done very well against people with fevers and viruses for years. And they were destroyed, some of these doctors, weren't they? The speed with which they were closed down and threatened with losing their license to practice. All of this in the book, of course. Yeah, um, vitamin D, actually. Um, I think one one doctor, who's, they wanted to fine him, what was it, um, $500,000 for recommending vitamin D, even though the CDC's website says vitamin D is recommended for viruses. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. Absurd, yeah. just absolutely absurd. And we've just, the, yeah, the levels of absurdity in the last few years are just just off the charts, absolutely. Have you had moments like that where you wondered if this was actually the reality? Because I've had a Ooh. few moments like that. Yeah, I, especially the first couple months, I had a hard time adjusting. Um, I remember waking up and sort of pinching my, like thinking, actually like not happy to wake up thinking like, oh gosh, I'm back in this. You know, I had some nice dream and I'm like, oh, is this still happening now? <laughs> yeah, is this yeah. really the zombie apocalypse happening? Yeah, I, I can't believe this is happening. And, you know, it just shows you though how much we get, how easily we all of us and even those of us who question get conditioned to whatever because now it's like, oh, old hat, you know, like what, uh, you know, get jaded. And so it's just that's what matters the most. We can fight this and fight this and eventually maybe overturn a law or do something about it. But by that time, people have been changed 
they're, you know, what they're willing to accept, what they can accept or do accept changes. Um, I mean, I just remember, and I wrote this, I think, in my introduction, but, you know, it's a good example. In high school, um, you know, we had a new administration come in in the middle of high school, and it suddenly cracked down on all these things. Like, we just sort of, they weren't kind of policing, you know, people leaving the campus or coming back during it or whatever. And suddenly they went hall passes and all this, and they start getting really, like, oppressive. For those of us who remembered having more freedom, for the new students, they didn't remember, so it didn't matter. I remember complaining to, like, one of my teachers, and he's like, I'm like, why don't these younger students like protest? He said, because they don't know any better. They never had a taste of freedom. And so we have this problem now with the younger generations. They don't know any different. They don't know a life without their phones and the surveillance. So they don't know that they should protest. And this is going to be increasingly a problem for all of us. They've been infantilized, haven't they? And at the, no. sa- and at the same time, they have been... This sounds very general now. Maybe I shouldn't be so... I shouldn't be generalizing so much, but they're also being trained to fear any questioning of how they perceive things. So they have gotten used to the surveillance. They've gotten used to the phone. They've gotten used to being told you've got to wear a mask or you should stay home. Don't hug granny because you might kill granny. But they've also been taught that anybody who challenges that is dangerous and is the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they? at the same time, they're you know exposed to crazy pornography and violence and you know, things that are way above like their age level. I mean, maybe none of us should be exposed to, but certainly not children. And like you said earlier in the show, um, you know, that's like the problem reaction solution thing going on. Like, oh, here's the problem that there's all this crazy content online and kids are getting exposed to it. Well, they've been, but somehow they've been able to censor free speech about medicine, um, you know, but not, they don't, they're not like somehow these like ISIS videos of beheadings are getting through the cracks you know, on YouTube, but they are like the minute you say COVID or shots or, you know, 5g, you're shut down, your videos taken down. Um, so it seems like they actually have a really good police system in, in the works that they could use against those other things. And they don't, you know, it's very so good. So then this. the rest of us have to suffer because of that. Right. So everything gets shut down. Everything. Yeah. I had a, an email from Google yesterday to say, we're sorry to, to, to tell you this, and don't worry, it doesn't count as a strike on your channel, but we've removed your Tuesday, December the 17th, 2019 programme, Shannon. I can't, oh, wow. I have no idea who I was talking to on that programme or what it was about. But anyway, they said medical misinformation. Now, this predated COVID, so I have no idea. And I haven't used YouTube for, for over three, nearly four years. And I just don't use it because they just kept ban- blocking the videos. And I'm not being a martyr here. It's not me. It's everybody. Uh, they're doing it too. You've come up quite against it quite a bit, haven't you, the censorship. That must have been eye-opening for you back in 2020, 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, YouTube is like, it's impossible for me to talk on there. Any show, most shows I've done on there, they just get taken down. (laughs) Whoever I'm talking to, you know, just taken down. And it's so many people on like regular, we might call them normies on the street. If you tell them that there's censorship online, you tell them that's happening. They're like, oh, really? Yeah. Because they're not looking for the same content. So they don't know it's being censored. They don't know it's not there. And once it's not there, how do you know that it isn't there? I mean, you know, that it was there. I mean, so you just don't know that it's there's censorship. Like there's so much information. So there's this illusion that there's all these different sources, especially when we know like with news media that that's really conglomerates and they have these different kind of brands, but they're all really owned by the same people. But most people don't know that. They think they're getting like different opinions and different sources of news and they're not. Um yeah. <laughs> Do you know, on, on, on just just staying with younger folks for a minute, I always feel like I'm 
sounding very patronising when I say young people. But you know what occurred to me, Shannon? The conservative media, and I'm neither conservative nor am I a liberal. I, I don't I don't fall into any category anymore. Neither do you, neither does anybody. These are identity politics labels that are supposed to pigeonhole people and, and set us against one another, as we both know. But let's mm-hmm. say there is a conservative media. It does spend an awful lot of time demonising younger people. Now, on occasion, they have good reason to. Like, they call them woke and... You know, they find funny stories about how, how kids act as, as what they call snowflakes. But I think this is a real agenda because for us to succeed and to stop this juggernaut of tyranny, we need to bring our younger friends and neighbours and family members with us. We need to bring them with us. So a lot of that demonising looks pretty organic on the independent, you know, the conservative media. Mm. But it isn't. I think it's far more sinister than that. It wants us to to be tired of and fed up of and to laugh and mock younger people. Because in reality, they know or it knows that we need to bring them with us. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, every tyrant knows that you you target young people, right? Um, that's, I mean, those are going to be our future leaders. They're going to be in charge. I think we definitely need to be talk, talking to them too. Right. Um, because yeah, I shouldn't, I mean, and we should give them more credit than they get. Like you said, they're a lot smarter and, and more adaptable and able to understand things than they're giving credit for. I met a 14 year old girl, um, not that long ago, just at a beach at the river. And, you know, I said something about, oh, she should check out this website. And we were talking about something. She goes, oh, no. She goes, I don't do screens. I'm not a screen kid. Brilliant. She lives on a farm. She's a beekeeper. She's super, you know, she made eye contact. She approached me. She wanted to talk to me and like, you know, amazing skills that way. And it, so there are people resisting and their kids are resisting. Um, and they're like seeing through it, you know, they're tired of it. I mean, their kids just, they're think about how wearing and exhausting it is to just be like, Oh, text messages constantly, you know, like just dealing with that alone. They've got to, even if they had never known something before it, they've got to start feeling the effects of that and thinking maybe there's something else. Right. Absolutely right. Shannon Rowan is our guest, um, live from California. Um, shots fired, vaccine weapons, medical tyranny and the war against humanity, the latest book. Go to wifi-refugee.com for more on, on Shannon. I've had some energy healing in very recent times as somebody who was very sceptical. We're kind of going full circle back to where we came in um, about the assault on, on, on us physically by, by the non-ionising radiation, by the Wi-Fi. And I... As a sceptic, so maybe it's a placebo, but I don't think so. As a sceptic, I'm going to say I'm coming down on the side of that the energy healing is brilliant. Is it something you've had any experience of? Is it something that you look at? I have. And you know, it's interesting, I guess, because maybe I've always been a bit of a sensitive person, sensitive to energies. And maybe that's why I'm more sensitive to these like artificial energies. I've had people try to kind of covertly do that on me. And I go, whoa what are you doing? And they're like, Oh, sorry. I just was like going to do a little Reiki before I did the massage. I'm like, well, I, maybe you should ask me, you know, I do think you need to ask permission, but I yeah. like could feel it. Um, and yeah, I have felt that I've, um, participated with that. I think you have to be careful cause there's like unethical people doing that like in anything. Um, and, but it just shows you we are energy. Everything is energy there. It's measurable. A lot of it, you know, the human resonance is our earth's, you know, natural frequency that's being totally overpowered by all this artificial stuff. And I really think, and I get into this in, in all my books, but especially in shots fired, the mind control aspect, because 
so what happened in the 1950s, especially, I mean, it spanned some decades, but they had these like what they called brain doctors and they were implanting, you know, electrodes and doing deep electrode stimulation in the brain um, to control emotions, behavior, you know, even like physical movements with arms and grabbing things. Um, and this has just progressed, of course, since then. But, uh, you know, some of this was MK Ultra stuff that was declassified. Some of it wasn't. It was out in the open, but um, I guess what I'm getting at is that in the end of those experiments, at some point they realized, because they did a lot of things like isolation, um, sensory deprivation, a lot of things that people experience during lockdowns, right? And what they found is that the, the key to controlling like man's mind is controlling his environment because we are linked to it. We're inseparable from it. So this is, to me, the real reason or big reason behind like blanketing the earth and these new frequencies, because then it alters because the earth is about frequencies. So you change that and then you change everything. And I think, I mean, not just, you know, not just humans, animals, insects. I mean, we're seeing a huge die off in insects, you know, bee colony collapse, like 80 percent of insects dead in, you know, the 20 years. I mean, just I mean, I've noticed this a lot of people who can remember decades ago know that there were a lot more insects everywhere and there are patents for these technologies as insecticides. So we know that you can kill insects. So if you can kill insects, um, bacteria, you know, microbes, microorganisms in the soil, that's the foundation of life, of biological life. So I really feel again, that there's trying to move away from biological life to some other kind of life. And they're even calling it life to me is it's, you know, incorrect, but you know, artificial life, artificial intelligence, they want to have something else um, and do away with nature. And so, of course, the birds, you know, get affected first. All these smaller life forms get affected first because of these po the power levels are just insane. And we don't have real regulations. We have guidelines and these are always exceeded. And there's really no law stopping this. And people like me, again, coming back to Wi-Fi refugees, like so-called electrosensitives, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of people are not but officially acknowledged by the UN for at least a decade now has been this condition is considered a functional impairment. And so as such, we're supposed to be accommodated. We're supposed to have housing that's what they call electrosanitized, you know, be able to live in places away from this, but it's just not a reality. And most doctors and institutions just don't even know about it. Um, you know, so the problem is going to be like less, fewer places to go. And so that means there's no, and I really think they want that to get rid of the control group, just like trying to vaccinate the whole population. You don't have a control group left, so you don't have anybody to say that this is wrong. And so, you know, if people can't even like I challenge people to go who think they're not sensitive to this to actually find a place where you don't get any signal of any kind and there's no power lines, there's no electricity anywhere, you know, and see how you feel. See if you can find that place first, you know, and then yeah. see how you feel. Spend some time there. And you will feel different. You will feel better. All the anxiety people are carrying around, anxiety, depression, you know, fatigue, brain fog, insomnia. This is like ec epidemic now, all these conditions. And I had them and they went away when I got away from it. And, uh, you know, I still I'm not in a completely pristine place. Um, so I know. But I know that I'm like I'm getting as good as I can get. Um, I know it, I could feel better. And so we're being denied that we're being denied real health. We're being denied our potentials, you know, our brain capacity. All of our potential is robbed from us is how I see it. And, and, and like these technologies also take our time away from us. And that's valuable. You know, it's a real time suck. We all know the feeling of like going online for one thing and then getting off 10 hours later and they want to know what happened. 
<laughs> there goes my life, right? At the expense of your real life relationships with the real people yeah. around you, actual people, not the avatars on Twitter. That's a great point. Yeah, hours. You can spend hours. On the insects, um, my friend Jean Ann, who lives in Connemara, you'll know Connemara, of course, mm-hmm. very well. She says it hurts her soul down here when she thinks back to the buzz and the hum back when she first came uh, a couple of decades ago. And it's not there anymore. I myself drove in the summer. I drove to Torquay from Manchester. So about four hour drive, nothing. My windshield should have been covered in bugs. Mm. You know, t- 10, 15 years earlier when I lived in southern Spain and I would take my car into the countryside, I would have to use the the, wind, the windshield wash several times because there would be so many bugs on on the windshield. This is right. And I suppose I can ask you about, before I do that, wifi-refugee.com. The details will be on the podcast notes, by the way. Also links to where you can get the um, Shannon's books. And I do recommend you support her. We must support people like Shannon Rowan. Um, because, um, you know, nobody's going out handing people money to write these books. So you've got to support her, which will support in turn her next project, where she's going to talk more about the tech and the impact um, it has on people, as she said earlier on. Shannon is our guest. I used to take the piss out of people who talked about chemtrails when I was working in the mainstream media. I wasn't really, really unkind. I was more of a, you know what Ireland is like, you know what Irish people are like, more of a piss taker. I was more of a smirker. I'm convinced that heavy metals are being sprayed into the atmosphere now and that it's been going on for a long time. Um, where are you on that, on chemtrail oh, yeah. spray? I, well, that was one of the things that first got me into trouble was trying to speak out about that because <laughs> I noticed yeah. that in 2010, really amping up in my city. And I was like, what, what's going on? I just was looking at the sky. I guess a lot of people start looking down then at their phones, which is interesting timing as well. You know, once people got locked into their screens and they weren't looking up anymore, that's when you kind of amp up that program, right? Um, yeah, this is easily verifiable that these programs exist. You know, they call it geoengineering. They use, um, you know, aluminum nanoparticles, which could be acting as an accelerant for the fires now, you know, increase in forest fires, which I also experienced recently where I live. Um, but yeah, there it's also used. So it's not, I mean, they'll tell us one thing. Oh, it's because, oh, global warming, climate change, that's a whole other thing. And I know that you're skeptical about that as well. And yeah. that's a book I want to write too, because that's really important because I also agree with you that that's the next move for more lockdowns, but it will be different. It'll be just, just kind of restricting already. We're already kind of experiencing that with just taxation, you know, um, making people pay more for entering in a car into a city or you know, so it's just going to be about restricting our movements, can, like in the 15-minute cities and all of that. And we could, I mean, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But, but yeah, I mean, it ties into that. Like, oh, we have to. The sun is evil. You know, the sun again. Nature is evil, right? Nature is a problem. Like we, you know, forget that we need the sun to like for our health, for the plants to grow, for everything. Oh no, sun Absolutely. radiation. You know, they'll talk about sun radiation, but they won't talk about any other radiation, artificial radiation. You know, we gotta like blanket the sky and dim. There's this dimming thing, you know, so we can because of greenhouse gas effect, which is all just pseudoscience and you know completely been debunked so many times. Um, but that so this I think has multi again multi-purpose kind of agendas with. Um, the nanoparticles, like making the atmosphere more um, conductive of uh, radio waves, frequencies, right? So you've got the HARP installations, which is like one, the biggest one in Alaska, and they openly state that that is for heating the ionosphere, just to study it, mind you, right? But also that they can use it for communications, they can use it to cause earthquakes, 
you know, um, so if you have the more conductive elements, you know, above us, then obviously that can carry the, these frequencies more easily. Um, so it's a kind of weird terraforming going on, I think, you know, or attempt to do that. I, I believe actually they'll fail. You know, I think that, um, they don't really understand things the way they think they do. That's my hope anyway. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's it's something that David Icke said to me many, many years ago is that there is a, up to a certain point, there is a cleverness with these people, but there isn't any real intelligence because real intelligence is a soulful thing. I'm paraphrasing him. I'm probably getting it wrong, but it's far more than just, you know, being book smart about certain subjects. Uh, very interesting this uh, Shannon Shannon Rowan is our guest the time has flown by as I thought it would let me put some questions uh, to you Shannon by some of our listeners thanks to Lola for her question about chemtrails we got into that already Um, thanks to Pam who says Richie I experienced the app requirements around that time trying to buy food. I stated loudly and clearly to the assistant that the shop was discriminating against elderly, poor and disabled people. Anyone who cannot use a smartphone or computer to order food, well, you're, 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 you're struggling. People in the pre-order queue were silent, except for one young guy who said, most people have one, and then went back to staring at his phone. Yeah, elderly folks are going to, are going to, and well, look, we see this. Post offices are closing all over the place here in the UK, particularly in Salford. Uh, bank branches are closing, and I suppose that neatly segues into cash is on the way out, Shannon. Yeah. And my, my fear is, and I don't like to be negative, if they do succeed in removing cash, I think we might as well give up. What do you think? Well, yeah, we're going to have to have something else like bartering something going on because, I mean, that's everything, really. I mean, that you can't save money. You can't keep your own money. The banks have it. They control it completely. Um, look at And, yeah, you, you have to, what, then use always use something with a chip in it. Again, more surveillance and tracking. And Sweden has announced they're going to be the first cashless society, right? Yeah. Wasn't it? Um, is it already this year? I think it was supposed to be this year. I don't know if that's actually happened. Yeah, um, no, you're right. Well said. And I can tell you this. I'm sorry for cutting across. You know, you can come back no. in. But um, here in, I'm in Salford, so I'm like a mile and a half from Manchester. Um, two miles tops, right? You can walk to Manchester. You know Manchester, a huge city. Uh, pretty much everywhere, no cash. Pretty much everywhere. You know, if you want to go out of an afternoon, you want to go to the northern quarter. If you want to go down to Media City, most places now, sorry, it's um, card only. Yeah. What's going to happen to homeless people who rely on that? I mean, there's so many people reliant on cash and also, again, just like not being traced all the time. You know, you can't get tips anymore without it being traced. And then, of course, that's they'll be taxed. I mean, it's impoverishing, going to impoverish everyone. Yeah, we have a right. You and I have a right that if you've got um, some spare furniture that you don't have any use for, we should have a human right that you say to me, Richie, 30 bucks will do. Right, Shannon, I'll be over 30 bucks. That's nobody's business, that nobody's. But it will be their business. And like you said, even though I've paid tax on the 30 bucks previously, and you paid tax when you bought the, the wardrobe that I'm buying from you, and they'll tax you again. And they'll make a yeah. little note somewhere that these people are doing transactions or they're trading. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's kind of horrifying when you see just how, to, to the kind of minutiae, it'll go right down to every single aspect of everything we do. They will, and, and of course that goes into punitive then, that goes into social crediting. Because um, oh, yeah. Shannon, you you're you're putting information. We're, we're back to the the online harms bill. You're putting things in the public domain that might harm somebody in the future. So mm-hmm. look, um, you don't get to go out for a while, 
I'm sorry, but you don't get to spend any money. And, th- and that goes, <laughs> of course. Bad girl. Yes, you've been <laughs> yeah. a bad girl. And also, we noticed that you're buying a lot of products that have got a high salt content. That puts mm-hmm. the health service at risk because if you get sick, you're going to collapse the health service or you're going to be a burden on the system. So when you go to the supermarket next time, I'm convinced of this. I know it sounds ridiculous. I'm convinced that, you know, I like my salty snacks with my beer. Now, I happen to be in good shape. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a runner. But maybe if I wasn't in good shape, maybe if I wasn't in good shape because I had bad knees, you'll go to the supermarket and they'll say, can't sell you those KP peanuts. It really is going to go there, isn't it? I, I really do see this coming in. Well, it's seeing it already with this packaging saying that, oh, we so many carbon credits, whatever, you know, they'll start with the carbon credit thing and the environment and just go from there. But it's already like, well, you know, influencing you or influencing shops to carry the label that says it's uh, environmentally friendly somehow, even if it isn't. And that's not true. You know, carbon offset stuff isn't doesn't equate to environmentally friendliness and lack of pollution or anything like that. So, um, right, you could still be getting poisoned in something, but, oh, this is okay, though. We've The government's approved. Basically, it's going to be government approval of products. You know, forget the rest. So, I've had a number of messages. No mainstream radio show would ever read out a comment like this, but we're not mainstream and we're not politically correct. I've had a number of messages from blokes asking um, if you wouldn't be interested in marrying them. There's a lot of interest, <laughs> Shannon. Really? Uh, wow. Well, yeah. I'm taken. I just celebrated my 10th year anniversary. <laughs> Have you just? So. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. And is your, um, I won't say your better half, but um, yeah. is um, is he or she, none of my business, um, are they on board? Do they under, he, do they understand, Shannon? Because it's very important, isn't it? Oh, yeah. In fact, um, I think it's really funny because he, he listened to me rant for many years and, you know, kind of held his peace. He's, he's the kind of guy who doesn't really fight with people much. He's, you know, he's tolerant, right? So then when the whole pandemic thing started, he suddenly listened more because he saw it then. You know, that's when he really opened his eyes. And he said, you know, I'm going to have to admit it. Some of the times I just thought you were totally crazy. <laughs> but he stuck like, by not, you. Not anymore. He, <laughs> yeah. thought, he thought you were a crazy cat lady, but he stuck around. So he's yeah, obviously a good I, guy. And we have cats. So. <laughs> right, so you have cats too, yeah. So he had a du- double reason to suspect it. So that's brilliant. Ten years, congratulations. No, because I do, I do the occasional phone in, and sometimes listeners will tell me very heartfelt stories about falling out with partners or husbands or wives, yeah. or even tragically sons or daughters. A lovely l- listener who listens to the program. She's a great contributor, Angela. Um, Angela has, I think, three children. I think one of them, grown up now, one of them is just not in touch. That's terrible. Mm. And she hasn't been dogmatic or, you know, ramming it down people's throats. She's just said, look, I believe this is happening and I need to, I think we need to do something about it. And lost relationships. I mean, that's I, I've been looking, you know, I haven't lost any relationships. Um, what about yourself? Anybody in the family think you're crazy? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a rift in our family and there's people who don't really talk to me. Although that was starting before this because when I became, you know, hypersensitized, um, you know, people thought I was crazy then. I lost a lot of friends then. So so I, I was a little bit conditioned to that and ready for it. <laughs> so I think yeah. it was easier for me to go through at this point, you know, than for a lot of people. We've uh, only got a couple of minutes left. I'm going to give you the final word, obviously. I do hope you'll come back before before Christmas, maybe in early oh, December. Uh, yeah, because we can talk so generally about things. Uh, I know you've got to make um, you've, you've 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 got to make things work because I know obviously you're, you're not connected and you you go elsewhere. 
uh, to do the interview so we'll, we'll give you plenty of notice but before we give Shannon the last word do check out wifi-refugee.com I, I, I will obviously link to Shannon on the podcast notes which will happen the podcast will be online in about 45 minutes from now wifi-refugee.com our most recent book is terrific I'm not just saying that she was kind enough to send it to me uh, shots fired vaccine weapons medical tyranny and the war against humanity she's a very gifted writer so do pick up a copy of it read it and then give it to mum or dad or brother or sister or your son or your daughter I've really enjoyed having you on Shannon um, my, my, so of my listeners I'll give you the final word a little bit of optimism a little bit of advice maybe you, m- you might want to give our listeners before we part company uh, today so it's over to you and thank you very much Oh, sure. Yeah, I want to say, um, well, I would encourage everybody to really try to reduce their exposures um, to this radiation um, for many reasons. I mean, just their use, you know, reconsider their use of tech, um, let's put it that way, and the boundaries with that, and spend more time in nature, spend more time with people in person, with animals, um, and less time online, and you will, your life will be transformed completely. I guarantee it. Fantastic um, stuff today. Thanks for making it happen. Um, enjoy the rest of your Thursday and the weekend to come, Shannon. And congratulations on 10 years. Thank you. Are you doing something Thank nice to celebrate or have you already done it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I ha- I guess we went to and then we had the, the fire evacuation, which is a whole other story. So the last couple of months have been topsy-turvy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I did properly, but I'm just happy to be home and th- that my house didn't burn. So. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time, maybe, because yeah, that's a very interesting. Good. Yeah. Thanks again, Shannon. And bye for now. Shannon Rowan, folks. Great to have her on. Top lady, eh? Uh, live from California. Lovely she spent um, some time in Kerry as well. So she knows the old country very well. Wife hyphenrefugee.com is the website and uh, the books because there are more than one but the most recent one as we've said already is uh, Shots Fired Vaccine Weapons Medical Tyranny and the War Against Humanity I've just got time to read one or two comments before the time is up and also to remind you that there is a new podcast now which will not interfere with this programme, the Richie Allen Show, 5 o'clock Monday to Thursday, is sacrosanct, if that's the correct term, I don't think it is. But um, I will be doing a 20-minute podcast, Monday to Friday, around about 10am, it's not live, I'll do it at 10, it'll be online by 10.30, and it's a newspaper, it's not even a newspaper review show, it's just me picking out one or two stories from the newspapers. So that will be online tomorrow morning, Friday, around about 30. And thanks for your messages. Uh, and guys, sorry about that, she's married. Uh, Tommy says, Richie, I love Shannon. Uh, that is Tommy in Dallas. She's brilliant and her message is so true and fantastic. Thanks for bringing her on. That's Tommy in Dallas. Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate that. Baird asks, what common symptoms should we, we be aware of re-5G sensitivity? We will get into this in a future programme. But Shannon did say, you know, you can feel it on the skin, the burning sensation. We've heard from people over the years on the programme who do suffer from it. And in fact, I've agreed to do a phone-in on it, haven't I? Because during a recent phone-in, one of our callers said that he suffers from it, which uh, he undoubtedly does, and I said we should do a phone-in on it soon. So I'm going to make that happen. Do believe me, I really will. It's, um, I am forgetful sometimes, but you can can forgive me uh, for that. Chris came back on to, to ask about Amanda Vollmer, the terrain slash naturopathic approach. Um, Richie, you did interview her in 2020 when her book came out. I did interview Amanda Vollmer. I remember it well. That's right, about three years ago. Maybe we should reach out to Amanda 
and invite her back on the programme again. On the moon, uh, David asks if they did go to the moon. It wasn't by the means they said they did. And then he mentions the senior flight commander of Apollo was a guy called Kurt Davis, who was a Nazi, apparently. His specialist area was measurement of electrical current and magnetism, not rockets, says David. That's something worth exploring, I think. Thank you, David. Hi to Cathy, who says, Richie, have you noticed that when an attack happens, like a shooting or a knife attack, when it's perpetrated by a Muslim person, it is a terrorist? When it is done by a white guy, like the shooting in Maine yesterday, they don't mention ter- terrorism. Uh, says Cathy. Thank you, Cathy. Uh, that is very well observed, uh, in my opinion. Right, that's it. Uh, many, many messages came in. Many, many kind words for Shannon. Thank you for them. That's it for this week of the Richie Allen Show. I am about now to go and have a cold beer, but before I do that, let me remind you, there will be a podcast tomorrow morning, The Papers. It's called The Papers. Check it out. If you do follow me on some podcast provider website, it will automatically come to your uh, device of choice, right? I'm aware of the irony of decrying the devices and then talking about them in the context of podcasts. I know. I know. Sure, we're all a mass of contradictions. I know I'm not stupid. Uh, on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, between 10 and noon, Sunday morning melodies, which, as you know, is a music program with a difference, songs and stories from yesteryear, and a nice chat between me and you. So that's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock UK time. Thank you to all my guests this week and particularly thank you to Shannon Rowan today. I really loved speaking with Shannon and I look forward to the next time. Closing out today's programme with some ABBA because why the hell not, eh? Some ABBA, he says. Play the thing then. There you are. Here they are. Until next time. Bye now. Bye now.